Friday, July 20th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly. I am coming to you from Denver, Colorado. We are right here in the Mile High City, and you know, we get together every single weekday, and we talk sports with a dose of common sense. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. We made it through another work week. You know what? I won't lie. I struggled a little bit this week just to get back into the flow of things, just to get back into things because I was on vacation goofing off last week at this time. Now we're back at it, getting after it, but we have survived the week and that is a very good thing. Hey, you know, if you'd like to contact us, maybe let us know what summer vacations you have planned. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com. You can also go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. We do post a link to the podcast every day there. And every once in a while, we might throw up a random thought here or there. But maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a comment. Maybe you have a suggestion for the show. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out because we do like hearing from our listeners. You know, the greatest thing about doing the Daily Dose, honestly, is the fact that we get smart listeners. And so when you reach out and you ask a question, I get good, smart questions. I get intelligent questions. I get good suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out. Today on the show, we do have a few things to get to in the world of breaking news. A couple of stories coming out that I want to make sure that we touch on. And you know, as we usually do on Fridays, we will have our weekend sports preview. See what there might be out there for you to tune in for over the next two days. And I'll tell you up front, there's not a lot, but there are a few things a little bit better than I thought it was going to be when I first started looking at the schedule. There are a few things out there that you're going to want to make sure that you take a look at. Plus, as we do on most Fridays, we will have our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, it has been a staple of the show since we began the Daily Dose. What, four, five years ago? Whenever that was. And if I'm going to hear comments on one thing, I usually do hear about the Daily Dose Top 5. Sometimes I get some people that disagree. A lot of times I get people that say, hey, you know what? I forgot about that or I didn't realize that. But the Daily Dose Top 5, always informative sometimes entertaining, but you have to make sure that you tune in every single week for the Daily Dose Top 5. A couple things coming out in the world of breaking news that we do want to touch on. First off in the NFL, it looks like the Atlanta Falcons have informed Pro Bowl wide receiver Julio Jones that they are not going to be giving him a contract extension this season. You know, Jones didn't join the team for off-season workouts or any of their mandatory minicamps, and they say that Julio wanted a raise despite the fact that he still has three years and $34 million left on his current contract. You know, he signed a five-year deal worth $71 million back in August of 2015, and that included $47 million guaranteed. Now, Jones is due $10.5 million for this upcoming season, and I realize when you see that number, when you see $10 million, you go, Well, it kind of looks like he's a little bit underpaid. Here's the one thing that I always wonder about. Like, do we have to give extensions every single year or guys get hurt feelings? Like every single year, we have to give you a new extension. Every single time you do something good, we have to reward you for it. I mean, Julio Jones, you're not exactly on the welfare, dude. Invest that $47 million that you got. It'll work for you. And by $47 million, I mean, $24 million by the time the IRS got theirs. And then, well, let's see, you paid for a lawyer, probably paid for representation. Sure, you bought a house or two or paid off some relatives' debts or something. Okay, Julio Jones, invest that $15 million wisely. I guess that's what I'm saying. 
invest it wisely because that's what you've got. It doesn't look like the Atlanta Falcons right now are going to give you anything else. We did get some NBA news yesterday as the Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to trade Carmelo Anthony to the Atlanta Hawks where he will reportedly be waived and then he can just go wherever he wants. The Thunder get Dennis Schrader which actually should be hilarious to watch him try to play with Russell Westbrook. And then it sounds like Carmelo will join either the Houston Rockets or maybe even the Miami Heat once the Atlanta Hawks release him. I think it's going to take a couple days for this to all get done, but that sounds like that's where this all is going. Now, you know, I told you that I think whoever ends up with Carmelo Anthony is going to be at least a little bit of a loser in free agency, but this situation could be a little bit better for the team that signs him. Primarily, because they're going to sign him for a minimum contract deal. Honestly, if he ends up being a distraction, or if he ends up being a guy that says, I don't want to come off the bench, I need to be a starter, you could just cut him, because the contract is going to be so little. But I still think he's a poor fit on either one of these teams, no matter where he goes, because he's a ball stopper, and of course, he won't defend anyone. Again, it's just a bad combination. I don't know where he could go that he would actually help them. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Atlanta. He would probably actually help the Atlanta Hawks because they need someone to chuck the ball up, and who cares if they play defense? He would actually probably help the Hawks a little bit. I don't know if he helps the Rockets or the Heat, though. In some other NBA news, the past two days, we've seen some movement in the NBA. The Boston Celtics re-signed defensive specialist Marcus Smart And the Toronto Raptors made that trade for two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Kawhi Leonard. But there was an interview in Chicago with new Chicago Bulls forward Jabari Parker, and he says, defense doesn't pay. I just stick to my strengths, said Jabari Parker. Look at everybody in the league. They don't pay players to play defense. There's only two people historically that play defense. I'm not going to say I won't, but to say that's a weakness in my game is like saying that's everybody's weakness because I've scored 30 and 20 on a lot of guys that say they play defense. This offseason, Parker signed a two-year $40 million contract with the Chicago Bulls, and he's trying to get his career back on track because remember, now he has undergone two knee surgeries in just four seasons with Milwaukee. He has missed 100 and 45 regular season games. So I don't have any idea if he can play defense. From what I've seen, he can't. But then I've barely seen him on the floor, so I'm not positive of that. And hey, to be fair, he might be right. In the NBA, good offense probably does beat good defense, doesn't it? But you know what else I see? I see something else. I see the Golden State Warriors taking advantage of the fact that most players don't play good defense. Most teams don't play good defense. Night after night after night, the Golden State Warriors see bad defenses and they victimize them again and again and again. They know you can't defend anyone one-on-one. They know your team defense is horrible. They know your screen and roll defense is atrocious and they know that you don't rotate. They know you don't find your rotations. They know you don't box out. And as a result, they cut. They move. They swing the ball. They're unselfish. They attack the basket. They hit threes. And all of a sudden, you look like you're out there on ice skates. And the Golden State Warriors are making you look absolutely silly on defense. Does good defense pay? 
I think on some level it could. Does good offense pay? Well, no question. But I think it's a little column A and maybe a little column B. It's not just one side or the other. If you could play defense, yeah, you could probably compete with anyone in this league. It's just that not that many teams play very good defense. Even the teams we see getting down to the finals, of all the teams left in it, Golden State is bizarrely one of the best defensive teams. They actually rotate. They actually play a little bit of one-on-one defense. And that has been the difference as well as their intelligent offense and taking advantage of your horrible defense. Jabari Perker is not completely wrong. He's just not completely right. And one more thing coming out in the NBA. An outstanding start for the Denver Nuggets top draft pick, Michael Porter Jr. You know, the Nuggets picked him with the 14th overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. And he has now apparently undergone surgery of the lumbar spine. That's what the team announced yesterday. The Nuggets said there is no timetable for Porter's return to basketball participation. This procedure was performed by Dr. Andrew Dossett at the Corral Clinic in Dallas, Texas. It is the second back surgery for Michael Porter Jr. in less than a year. The six foot ten forward played in just three games last year after he sustained the back injury just two minutes into his college debut at Missouri. Now, the Nuggets, of course, are saying, hey, this surgery is going to fix everything. We're going to have Michael Porter Jr. back to playing like he was before he was ever injured, back when he was being projected to be the top pick in the NBA draft. This is going to fix everything. You know, just like the last surgery was going to fix everything, wasn't it? (laughs) Isn't that what everyone thinks? Okay, so I'm just getting this one surgery. It's going to take care of everything. Then you go in for a second. Okay, so I'm just getting this second one. It's going to take care of everything. When you are looking at the back or the neck or any of those kind of things, is there ever a sure thing? Do you really think one is going to fix it or two is going to fix it? Ask Peyton Manning how that all goes. And here's a more important question. Is there like a lemon law the Nuggets can check into? Because I feel like they might be teetering very close to something where You might have purchased a vehicle that I don't know if it's going to run. This isn't starting that well for Michael Porter Jr. in Denver. You know, if only someone had warned them ahead of time. Why did anybody tell me? Oh, wait a second. We did warn them ahead of time here on The Daily Dose. Maybe the Nuggets should have been listening to The Daily Dose. That might be their biggest problem. They're not listening to enough of The Dose. Hey, coming back, we are going to be previewing the weekend in sports. And you know, like I said, at this time of the year, it's not going to be great. But we do have a few things that you're going to want to tune in for. Plus, we still have to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, we spoke earlier about Julio Jones wanting a contract. Well, today on the Daily Dose Top 5, we just might be talking about a few other people that were looking for contracts too. You know, we try to do this every week. We take a look at some of the upcoming events over the weekend just to make sure that you are aware of a few things that you want to be sure that you're near TV. Maybe you're near some sort of device so that you can keep an eye on the biggest sporting events over the next two days because, honestly, there's nothing worse than forgetting that a sports event was on and then, I don't know, your friends are like texting you, oh, did you see that play? What play? What are you talking about? Then they call you names. They make fun of you. They challenge your sports prowess. It's a whole thing. We try to help you avoid all of that by letting you know what to watch, We try to do our best to pick the games because we all know sports gambling is coming and we just want to make sure we're ready. 
Now, there isn't much to choose from, so know that going into the weekend. But keep this in mind. We are just a few weeks from NFL preseason football, folks. I know, it's preseason football. It's not that exciting, but it's something. But we are just 36 days from real live college football. But I mean, who's counting, right? 36 days? Woo, that can't go soon enough. Okay, remember, all times given our mountain time zone, so adjust accordingly. Getting started tonight at 5 p.m., we have some Major League Baseball with the Atlanta Braves going to Washington to play the Nationals. Now, this isn't a great start to the weekend. Because honestly, both teams were kind of limping into the all-star break. The Braves are up on Washington by five games in the National League East. And they are just a half game behind the Philadelphia Phillies. Maybe, just maybe, Bryce Harper can kind of ride that wave of success that he had in the all-star festivities. Maybe he could get the Nationals going. I don't know. I've also heard rumors that he was cheating at the all-star game with like a cork bat. So I don't know if any of this is going to work. I think Atlanta's pitching is actually getting better. I think they have a little bit more depth to it. But tonight in this game, Washington is going to have Steven Strasburg on the line, and I think because of that, they have a chance to win this thing. So I'll take Washington in the game tonight, but I will pick Atlanta to actually win this series. But not a horrible way to start. Atlanta versus Washington starting off tonight in Major League Baseball. At 6 p.m., if you would like to see the team that is now the favorite to win the National League, Check out the Los Angeles Dodgers tonight at 6 when they go to Milwaukee to face the Brewers and a pitcher that is now apparently in some sort of sensitivity training. Now, remember how cold the Los Angeles Dodgers were to start the season? That seems like a distant memory, doesn't it? Justin Turner was hurt. Clayton Kershaw was hurt. Corey Seager was out for the season. Now, Turner and Kershaw are back and they just got Manny Machado. And it all just makes me think, One very specific thing. The National League should have buried the Dodgers when they had their chance. Because now, I know they've been getting better, yet get ready for them to get even better. If the Dodgers turn it up at all, they might be a shoe in for this National League. They look like the big dog in the National League for sure. I will pick the Dodgers to beat the Milwaukee Brewers in this game and in this series But one of the first chances to see Manny Machado in a Dodgers uniform should be interesting to watch. Moving ahead to Saturday, Saturday night at 5.15, we have the Houston Astros going to Los Angeles to face the Angels. Now, I know there are teams out there that have more excitement around them. You have the Yankees and their big mashing lineup that is just crushing home runs. You have the Red Sox that are so good defensively, and yet they can still hit the ball out of the park as well. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros are just quietly winning games, just posting the best run differential in the league. And you know, Houston's not even fully healthy. They still have some key guys out. It is going to be very, very tough to bet against Houston in the postseason. They just look like the best team out there. And I know it might not be as flashy as some of the other teams, but it would be tough to pick against the Astros. Meanwhile, on the other side, they're going to be facing the Angels, who seem to be returning to who we all kind of thought they were, right? But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Poor Mike Trout. He just can't get any help. And then you have Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred saying, well, well, I don't know, maybe Mike Trout just needs to get a little more involved on social media. Perhaps if he was on the Twitter a little more, it would be a little more exciting for the fans of Major League Baseball. Here's the problem. No one cares about Major League Baseball. As good as Mike Trout is, he doesn't have any help. 
The Angels are holding on for dear life, and I would imagine this series probably isn't going to go well for them. But if you do want to see Mike Trout facing Justin Verlander Saturday night at 515, hey, there are worse things to watch than that, right? Like Samantha B, for instance. Oh, oh come on. I'm just kidding. Sort of just kidding. <laughs> hey, if you want to see Justin Verlander versus Mike Trout, you've got a chance Saturday night at 515. That should be decent. I will take the Astros to win this game, and I will take the Astros to win the series here. Also at 515, we have the St. Louis Cardinals facing the Chicago Cubs in a National League Central matchup. Of course, the Cardinals fired their manager, Mike Matheny, prior to the All-Star break in hopes of reviving their season because they are just barely above 500. And we have seen that work before because sometimes when a team fires their coach or fires their manager, everyone focuses a little bit more and everyone raises their game a little bit more. Well, hey, they're going to get their chance to get back on track this weekend because they are facing the NL Central leading Cubs. If they could win a few games, that could go a long ways in getting them going again. Meanwhile, the Cubs, they kind of seem to be returning to that form that we saw a couple years ago. Chicago looks like they are a legitimate contender in the National League to possibly represent over in the World Series. The one thing I want to watch from the Chicago Cubs, can they get anything whatsoever from you, Darvish? We still haven't seen him produce that much. And if they're going to do anything in the postseason, they are going to need Darvish to step up. I will take the Cubs to win this game and I will also pick them to win the series. Moving on to Saturday night, we actually have what could be an interesting fight on HBO as Jaime Munguia faces Liam Smith in a 12-round fight for Munguia's WBO junior middleweight title. Now understand this. We knew nothing about Jaime Munguia before April when there was actually talk that he might step in on May 5th to face Gennady Golovkin when Canelo Alvarez got DQ'd. Munguia said he wanted to do it, but Las Vegas wouldn't license the fight. So then Munguia was out looking for another fight. But then Liam Smith had to pull out of his fight with Saddam Ali for the WBO junior middleweight title. So Munguia was signed up. I don't know if you saw that fight, and I'm sure that most people didn't. But I watched that fight, and Jaime Munguia beat Saddam Ali absolutely senseless. Knocked him down like four or five times. Now, at just 21 years of age, Munguia is 29 and oh. To be fair, he hasn't fought much talent, but wow, does he have all the tools. He is a big, strong kid. He can definitely advance up in weight class, and he hits extremely hard. Now, he is actually going to be facing Liam Smith, who, of course, he covered for back in May. Now, Liam Smith is a solid fighter. He's not spectacular. And I'll tell you this right now. He is going to have his hands full. Keep an eye on this kid. If you want to see a good young fighter, Jaime Munguia has a very promising future. I'm going to pick him here, and I'm going to pick him here by knockout because I think he is just that strong. Might be a sneaky fight on Saturday night. Moving on to Sunday, you know, the PGA is actually going to be at the British Open in Scotland this weekend, and they say that the fairways are playing extremely fast. 400-yard drives could be the norm. Now, if you get into one of those big pits over at St. Andrews, good luck with all that, but should be a very, very fast track over there in Scotland. Jordan Spieth is the defending champion, but apparently, I don't know, he needs to go back to miniature golf because dude cannot 
putt these days. I don't know what happened, but he can't putt. That won't be as big of an issue here because he should be able to use his driver and be pretty effective with it. If he could remember how to putt, maybe he'd be back in it. But I would think, I don't know, it'll be someone like Justin Rose or Tommy Fleetwood or Ricky Fowler or something like that. But on Sunday, the British Open will be completing that championship round, and that very well might be worth your time to watch. Finally, on Sunday night, 6 p.m., we finish out the weekend with a battle in the Subway Series as the Mets are going to be facing the Yankees. No, the Mets won't have anything for the Bronx Bombers. But if they are going to win a game at all in this series, it is probably going to be Sunday night when Jacob deGrom takes the mound against that nasty lineup. Now, I'm going to take the Yankees here because I know how things usually go for poor Jacob deGrom. And I actually might watch this game because I want to see if we spot Jacob deGrom like signaling the Yankees dugout like, hey, hey, call the Mets, make a deal for me. I want out of here so bad. I'd rather come over there and pitch for you guys. I have a feeling he might be doing exactly that. Like I said, not a ton to watch this weekend, but there are a few things that could keep your attention if you are looking for something to watch. Hey, coming back, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, we talked about it earlier. We see Julio Jones wanting a new contract. Earlier this week, we saw that the Pittsburgh Steelers failed to sign running back Le'Veon Bell to a long-term deal. Now he's going to be forced to play on a franchise tag for the second straight year. It doesn't sound... Like things are just peachy between these guys, does it? Like Jones is probably mad at the Falcons. Bell is probably mad at the Steelers right now. But believe me, it is not the first time we have seen a bitter contract dispute in the NFL. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. July's Loot Crate theme is out. It is called Team Up. If you need someone to watch your back, it sounds like it's time for a team up. Do better together with an awesome squad of collectibles and gear, including not one, but two t-shirts in this month's crate. And this crate is only available for a day or two more, so you better jump in and get it while you can. July's Loot Crate theme features items from Ant-Man vs. Wasp, Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Adventure Time, the best part, of course, about ordering from Loot Crate. When you check out, be sure that you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose. Now, as we do every Friday, we have got to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. Like I said, This week, we saw the Pittsburgh Steelers and running back Le'Veon Bell engaged in that bitter contract battle. As Bell is looking for a long-term deal, the Steelers keep giving him those franchise tag contracts. According to Bell's agent, this is going to be the last season that Bell is going to be a Steeler. There's a talk he could even sit out games. I mean, I don't buy it because he wants to get paid. It's hard getting paid when you're sitting on the sideline, but... We have seen contract negotiations get very bitter before, and sometimes they can actually change the trajectory of a career. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Here are five of the more bitter NFL contract disputes that we remember. Coming in at number five. Five. You know, in the 1980s, we primarily remember John Elway trying to win in Denver despite his lack of much help on those Denver Broncos teams, right? 
but we thought that maybe, just maybe, he might be getting some help in the 1989 NFL Supplemental Draft when Denver selected a running back out of Alabama by the name of Bobby Humphrey. Bobby Humphrey rushed for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie. Then he followed that up in 1990 with 1,200 yards and another seven touchdowns. Humphrey was actually the first Denver Bronco to rush for a 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. How bizarre is that? So then, in 1991, Humphrey decided he was going to hold out of training camp because he wanted a new contract. He had been a supplemental draft guy. He didn't have a big deal, and he wanted more after proving what he could do in those first two seasons. But the Broncos had a team policy. They didn't renegotiate contracts like that. And Humphrey's holdout continued until late into the season. Finally, he came in. At week 14, he came in. But by that time, the Broncos had already signed Gaston Green, and he had actually proved to be a solid fill-in. He had his own 1,000-yard season. So Humphrey came in late, had lost his starting spot, and he had fallen out of favor with the team's coaching staff and the front office. Plus, when he came back, he was completely out of shape. So the Broncos put him on the bench. He remained on the bench, and Denver made a run all the way to the AFC Championship game where they lost to the Buffalo Bills. The next offseason, the Denver Broncos traded Bobby Humphrey to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for a running back by the name of Sammy Smith. By 1995, Bobby Humphrey was completely out of the NFL. Hey, it sounded like a good idea at the time. Look at what I've done. I deserve a new deal. Yeah, or you're going to completely ruin your career. Either way, you know, one of the two. Moving on to number four. You know, if you go to three Pro Bowls in three years, you earn two straight rushing titles, and you help your team win the Super Bowl, you probably feel like, you know what? I deserve a new deal. I should get a new contract. Well, in the early 1990s, Emmett Smith did all of those things. He was one of the biggest stars in the league. Unfortunately for Emmett Smith, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones didn't want to give him all that much. So heading into the 1993 NFL season, Emmett Smith wanted a big race. He was a restricted free agent, though. He wasn't unrestricted. So he's shopping his talents to all these other teams, but all these other teams are looking at him saying, we're not offering you anything. Jerry Jones will match anything we offer. So why would we offer anything? Meanwhile, Jerry Jones is saying, well, I'm not going to give you anything if nobody else is offering. So both sides, Emma and Jerry Jones, are accusing each other of being greedy, and it actually got kind of ugly. Emmett Smith remained unsigned. The Cowboys had to start the year with rookie Derek Lassick as their starting running back, and they lost the first two games of the season. After the second loss, linebacker Charles Haley, who was never one to keep his thoughts inside, was screaming in the locker room, we're never going to win this blanking thing with a rookie. He threw his helmet in the vicinity of Jerry Jones and demanded that he go sign Emmett Smith. Four days later, Emmett Smith was made the highest paid running back in the NFL. And of course, he came back, led the NFL in rushing. And despite playing in just 14 games, the Cowboys went on to win another Super Bowl. Hey, that one worked for the better. He came back in, he got his money and the Cowboys kept winning. Moving on to number three, you know, before we had Deion Sanders, there was actually another guy named Bo Jackson who also excelled in two of the major sports. And you know what? We may never have seen Bo Jackson 
if he had gone the way of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the Buccaneers selected Jackson, the Heisman running back and star baseball player from Auburn, with the number one pick in 1986, they offered him a five-year contract worth seven million bucks. But there were a few problems. First, Jackson didn't want to go play for an awful team like Tampa. And Tampa was awful at that time. The Bucs had gone 10 and 38 over the past three seasons. Second, Tampa had said, we don't want you playing baseball. And in fact, there was even the rumor that the reason they had drafted him was they were hoping to kind of put the kibosh on his baseball career. At that time, draft choices could accept teams' offers or they could hold out. So Bo said, thanks, but no thanks. And instead, he went and signed with the Kansas City Royals. After one year, Tampa would lose his draft rights. Jackson re-entered the draft in 1987, but teams were afraid to take a player that already had a baseball career, and he had already proven that he wouldn't just sign with anyone. So who signed him? Who else? A guy that had a penchant for finding guys like that. Al Davis's Los Angeles Raiders selected Bo in the seventh round. Davis convinced Jackson, hey, sign with us. I don't have any problem with you playing baseball. You can come join the Raiders at the end of the baseball season. By 1990, Bo Jackson was a Pro Bowl running back. He only played three years in the NFL. He played seven in Major League Baseball. He became the first player in history to play in the All-Star game of not one, but two major sports. Of course, we all remember the injury that took place in 1990, completely shredded his hip. Eventually, Bo would be out of the game far too soon. Bo Jackson held out. Bitter contract dispute with Tampa. He never did resolve it. He just went and said, you know what? I'll just go find another team. And at that time, you could do that. He comes in at number three. Coming in at number two. You know, we might remember this guy as a cornerstone of a defense. But when he first arrived in the NFL, we all kind of wondered if he was ever even going to get on the field because linebacker Cornelius Bennett held out for over 100 days after being selected second overall by the Indianapolis Colts in 1987. He came out of Alabama, and he showed up in Indy with big demands. He was unable to reach contract terms with the Colts during training camp, and so he said, well, I'm just going to sit out. I'll just wait until you guys figure this out. Meanwhile, the rest of the NFL players went on that 24-day strike. Remember when the NFL owners brought in the scab players and did all that stuff? When the league came back to work, the Colts were in serious talks with the Los Angeles Rams to try to make a trade. They decided to package Cornelius Bennett in a three-way trade that would also involve the Buffalo Bills, and Cornelius Bennett ended up in Buffalo, and he turned out to be one of the final pieces on a Bills defense that went to four straight Super Bowls. He was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Year in 1988. He was a five-time Pro Bowl selection. You might not remember it, but actually... Bennett ended up playing on that Atlanta Falcons team that went to the Super Bowl in 1999-2, and he finished his career back in Indianapolis in 2000. Cornelius Bennett played 14 seasons in the NFL. Who saw that coming at the start? We didn't even know if he was going to get on the field. He finally did, and he made the most of it. So now we move on to number one, and it's funny, because I should remember our number one entry for his amazing play. He was so talented. And I'll be honest, I sort of don't. I think of his holdouts. I think of his contract disputes. Because after setting a rookie rushing record in 1983, and after setting an NFL single season rushing record with over 2,000 yards, Eric Dickerson 
thought he was due for a pay raise, but the Los Angeles Rams were like, yeah, we're not giving you anything. So in 1985, the Rams actually started the season without Dickerson. He missed week one, and then the Rams somehow put a contract together very, very quickly, which ended Dickerson's 47-day holdout. They got him a new contract, and Dickerson returned for the last 14 games of the season. He actually only rushed for 1,200 yards, which everyone kind of looked at it and said, well, what happened there, Eric? You just had 2,000. Now, all of a sudden, you only get 1,200? After 2,000 yards, it seems like everything else is kind of downhill, right? But in the postseason, Eric Dickerson proved he was worth that money when the Los Angeles Rams beat the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, and he ran for a record 248 yards. Unfortunately, Dickerson and the Rams couldn't get along, and in 1987, they traded him to the Indianapolis Colts as part of that Cornelius Bennett trade. Dickerson had two Pro Bowl years in Indianapolis in 1988 and 1999, and then he decided he was going to hold out again. In 1990, Dickerson sat out and missed the first five games of that season, and he was complaining about the Indy front office and complaining about his teammates while he sat out. Eventually, Dickerson would get a four-year, $10 million deal, but he never quite looked the same. Maybe the game had just passed him by by then. Eric Dickerson was out of Indy by 1992, and he was actually completely out of the NFL by 1994. He never even got close to 1,000 yards after that holdout season. I don't know. Maybe it was all the money slowing him down for those deals. Maybe he wasn't taking his career quite as seriously as he was before he got paid. Or maybe it was because Eric Dickerson seemed like he wore every single pad known to mankind on his uniform. Remember, he had the face mask, he had the goggles, he had the mouthpiece, he had the neck thing, he had the leg thing, he had things on his shins, he had things on his elbows. He was covered in pads. Can you imagine how fast Eric Dickerson would have been had he just not worn all of the armor? He was still pretty good without it. Bottom line is this. Sometimes we see these guys hold out for more money. Sometimes it works and they come back and they get paid. Other times we see their careers start going downhill. Doesn't always work the same. And notice one thing, out of this list, three of them were running backs. I don't know if that's a coincidence. Running backs, wide receivers, it seems like they always have a tough time getting the money that they think they deserve. Hey, it is Friday and we made it through another week. On Monday, we will be back to discuss all of the happenings over the weekend in sports and keep you up on the latest and greatest in the world of news. And you know what? Next week, we might just have to switch things up a little bit. I want to take a look at a couple things in a few different ways. Might have something different for you next week. Hey, I want to thank all of you for listening to The Daily Dose every day. I hope that you are enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you very much for subscribing to the show wherever you listen. It is all very appreciated. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.